22. And I'm going to encourage you to stand with me for a little bit. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And uh, it's already been good to be in church. And uh, we pray that the Lord makes it gooder. It may not be good grammar, but uh, it's what we want. Uh, Luke chapter 22. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 39. Luke 22 and verse number 39. Anybody here ever experienced pressure? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoever said never, I appreciate that. (laughs) Luke chapter 22, look at verse 39. And he came out, this is talking about Jesus Christ, and went, and as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said to them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. This is why the Bible says, Christian, to pray without ceasing. Uh, You'll see I have a lot of trouble if you just learn to be in a spirit of prayer at all times. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was uh, withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And uh, we like to say, you know, it's going to take blood, sweat, and what? Tears. Do you know what you find in this garden? You find blood, sweat, and tears. The Bible says his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And and I think it's interesting and curious that, that Luke is a doctor. He's a physician. And he's the one that writes, of all the gospel writers, he's the one that writes about this medical condition that Jesus experiences in that garden. The Bible says in verse 45, when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. It's a good reminder, everyone deals with pressure differently. Some people get depressed and they don't want to get up. That's where the disciples were. And some people, I'll say it like this, one person takes the pressure and keeps going through it. The Bible says in verse 46, He said to them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus answered and said, you see, some people, when they're under pressure, they attack people. Everyone handles pressure differently. Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests, the captains of the temple, and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, 
Ye stretch forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. I want to talk to you about performing under pressure, performing under pressure. I'm going to ask Brother Chad, Brother, if you would open us up in a word of prayer this morning. Good to see you, Brother. Amen. Please be seated if you would. There's a lot I could say about pressure. One thing I'll be vulnerable, uh, vulnerable about this morning is that I, I share this with, I think, Brother Joe, maybe someone else. Uh, it's interesting, uh, as a pastor, that there are times when, I'm sure maybe Miss Cindy could uh, relate to this, having heard Brother Billy say this, that you preach on certain themes or certain subjects and then the Lord just makes sure that you experience those things right before preaching them so that the illustration and the sentiment is very real and very near and dear to your heart. And I can tell you, uh, there were some things that I experienced this week in preparing for the message where the Lord said, you're going to preach on pressure. You may want to go through some of it so you can talk about it. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Appreciate that. Uh, but the reality is this. We all go through pressure. There's not anyone in this room that's not experienced pressure in your life. Uh, I'll say it like this. If you've got uh, too much pressure, uh, like in your heart, you get too much pressure, you can have a heart attack and die. But let me also say this, if your blood pressure is too low, are you with me? You could also die. And the way that God puts this thing in your body, the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made, is to have a certain amount of pressure to keep things alive and moving forward. In other ways, in other words, if you've got no pressure in your life, you're dead. You, you, in other words, you need pressure in your life. Now, now, granted, there are some kinds of pressure that we put on ourselves, and, and I'll just say this much, there was no pressure before the fall. Before mankind's Genesis, there's no example of pressure. Uh, listen, the moment that they are presented with entertainment, as soon as the entertainment of the thought of sinning enters into that garden, all of a sudden there's pressure. Do I listen to God or do I listen to this other voice? You see, pressure. Uh, and then once I make that choice and I realize I'm naked, I, I got to go get dressed. Pressure. And then God shows up and goes, hey, Adam, what did you do? All of a sudden he goes, the woman you gave me, it's her fault. Uh, and the woman goes, yeah, the snake did it. The devil made me do it, right? That kind of thing. And so you, you say, what is it? Everyone deals with pressure their own way. But as soon as sin enters in, that's when you have pressure. Listen, guys, we live in a sin-cursed world. You are not going to escape pressure in this life. I will say this, commitment equals pressure. And commitment equals choice, which means this, choices you make come with pressure. If you do right, there'll be pressure for doing right. If you do wrong, there'll be pressure for doing wrong. In other words, you're going to have pressure the rest of your life. You get to choose what kind of pressure you get. And that choice is up to you. But in this passage of Scripture, do you know what I see? I see a man that went under pressure and handled it perfectly. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, you know what Joshua says? Joshua says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. You say, what is that? That's, a, that's, a, that's a, 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 a statement of pressure. In other words, you need to decide, and you need to decide today. Listen, when a young man gets on his knee like this, there is pressure. You say, why? Because she's got a moment. Listen, let me just say this right now. If you ever get down on your knee, gentlemen, and you get down there, and she goes, let me think about it, you're in trouble. 
This is a moment of decision, and it's a moment of pressure. And what you're praying for, if you're the guy, is that she says yes in spite of all your shortcomings and failures. And I'm thankful for a wife that did that 20-some years ago. But my point is this. You cannot escape pressure in this life. God, listen, if when you sin, there's pressure associated with that. When you do right and follow God, there is pressure associated with that. The choices that you make come with pressure. Jesus Christ made a choice, and he made this choice. I am here not to be served, but to minister unto others. I am here to do the Father's will. I am here to finish the work that God sent me here to do. You know what that comes with? Pressure. Pressure. The word pressure doesn't show up in your Bible, but it's a biblical thought. Uh, the, first time, you, you, the, the closest thing to it is press, to press something. And so the, the Bible speaks about uh, uh, that man that, that talks to uh, Joseph in Genesis 40, and he talks about pressing those, those grapes in the Pharaoh's cup. Uh, the Bible says uh, with Samson and Delilah, I think of all the stories in the Bible, that one bothers me the most because I read it, and I'm like, no, dude, she's a bad girl. Run for your life. And every time he's like, oh, but she's pretty, you know? And the same ending every time, right? And so the Bible says that she pressed him daily with her words. What's she doing? She was squeezing him emotionally, if you will, and spiritually to side with her over God. You say, what was that? Pressure. Pressure. The Bible says that Absalom pressed his father David in order to allow Amnon to come to his feast so he could kill him. What it was that? It was pressuring dad to get what he wants. Kids are good about that, amen? Uh, when are we going to go to Disney World? Uh, a, a year from now. Well, when are we going to go to Disney World? Why, why do you keep asking? When are we going to go to Disney World? When are we going to go to... Stop asking! Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You say, well, pressure! <laughs> and no matter where you're at in life, you're going to feel it. The word pressure is defined as the state of being squeezed or crushed. That's pressure. And let me tell you right now, if you're here and you're lost without Jesus Christ, you may go, well, if there's pressure in serving God, I don't want to get saved. I don't want to do that. Let me tell you right now, the greatest pressure you're ever going to experience is being naked before a holy and righteous God where he opens up the books of your life and he says, you said this, you did this, you thought this. Every thought, every word, every action detailed in the, the books of the works of your life. And he's going to take you and go, okay, now let me compare you to my son, Jesus Christ. He's never sinned. He never lost a battle. He never gave you a temptation. And you're going to feel the pressure on judgment day to go, man, I wished I'd gotten saved. Yep. Let me tell you right now, today's the day of your salvation. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, don't put that off. You may go, I, I don't want the pressure of, of being a Christian. Let me tell you something. The pressure of being a Christian is far greater than the pressure of being a lost soul without hope and without God. I'm going to tell you right now, you choose the right side. There's always going to be pressure. You will live in a world where there's pressure. You might as well be on the right side of it. If you're saved, can I say this? Pressure is oftentimes the result of our own choices. Our own expectations, the expectations of others. How about sin? How about assuming that we can do things for people that only God can do? Sometimes, sometimes though, the pressure is not there because you did something wrong. The pressure is there because you want to follow God. And if you're there this morning, I want to talk to you. If you say, you know what, I want to submit to God's will for my life like Jesus Christ. I, I want to talk to you about how you can perform 
under pressure. Imagine the, the, the concept of, of righteousness and judgment being executed on an innocent man. And that innocent man not just bearing all the sins of mankind, but also becoming of those sins, becoming lust, becoming envy, becoming pride, becoming jealousy, becoming fornication, becoming adult, all of it. And all that pressure being put on one man. I sure am glad he took the pressure. But let me tell you something, there's a lesson you can learn from Jesus Christ as a Christian on how to handle that pressure. I would say this, if you look in our passage, look if you would at verse number 31, he had a, a lot of different pressure. I'd say this, he had the pressure of instructing and leading his disciples. You know, you know what I've learned about people? Everybody wants to be a leader until you're there. You know what comes with leadership? Everyone's looking at you, everyone's talking about you. And you know what Jesus Christ had? He had the pressure of leading his disciples. Look at verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as we. He's got this pressure. Look, look, think about this. He knows what he's about to face. And in the midst of all that, he's worried about Simon. And he knows what Judas is about to do. And he's worried about his disciples and what's going to happen to them and how they're going to forsake him and flee. All that pressure is there. In the midst of his own trouble and agony, he's thinking about Simon Peter. You say, what is that? That's a sign of a good leader. That's pressure, though. He had the pressure, not just of those that followed him, but the pressure of preparing them for what was to come. Look at verse 35 and verse 36, where he talks about getting a sword. Now, in all fairness, we always pick on the guy that, you know, flung the sword out and started, you know, swinging it around. Let me just tell you this. If you're a fisherman, you probably don't always know how to handle the sword the right way. And so this guy whips that sword out. And you know what happens? He cuts the guy's ear off. But let's be fair. The Lord told them to make sure they had swords. Imagine God telling you, make sure you're packing. Concealed. Okay? Concealed carries. And you're like, yeah, man, Second Amendment. <laughs> Imagine the Lord tells you, make sure you're packing. And then when the bad guys come, he goes, put it up. What are you doing? <laughs> I'd be like, but you told me I could. Uh... He's like, I told you to make sure you have it. I didn't tell you to use it. You know what real strength is? Real strength under pressure is not using the force that you could against others. That's real strength. You know what I think, Jesus, you know what I think made Jesus Christ special? He could have fought back and he said, look, I want you to have swords so when history, when history is told, they can't say we were defenseless. We could have fought. We chose not to. You say, what is that? Someone that handles pressure the right way. Let me ask you a question. How do you handle pressure? Some of you felt that in the way to church this morning. You got kids that are kicking their shoes out. Well, put your shoes back on! <laughs> you know, and, and you're talking to your spouse, you're arguing about something on the way to church, and you know, you're driving, and she's telling you, oh, stop, stop, honey, the next car's a mile away, but he's got the brake lights on. And you're arguing about that, and then the kids are arguing in the back seat, and you, you, just, you say, what is that, pressure? Some of you had pressure just coming to church. I'm glad you made it. Amen. Can I tell you, you had the pressure of someone betraying him. Let me tell you right now, if I knew someone was going to cause a church split, you know what my number one priority would be? To, let's say we're having a church service, you know, and we're getting ready to preach, and, and I just look out and I go, I'm going to pick on him because I know this is not him, but I go, ha, oh, Steon. Stand up, Steon, right now. I want everyone to take a good look. You want who's going to betray me? That guy! The Lord doesn't do that in his, in, his, in his greatest hour of pressure. You know what he does in John 13? He gets down and washes their feet. Imagine everyone sitting down and they're going, Lord, who's going to do it? Lord, I'd be, I'd be like, I'll tell you who's going to do it. That guy. 
But he doesn't make that the main thing. You know what he makes the main thing? What he came to do. He stayed calm and cool under that pressure. Why? Because he knew why he was here. Christian, do you understand why you're here? Do you understand that we are living in the last days? The pressure is not, if you want to live for God, it's not going to get easier. The pressure is going to be, if the Bible is right, and that book's never been wrong, if the Bible is right, the pressure is going to intensify. You better get ready for it. I didn't say go and buy a bunker and buy, you know, your, your uh, what do they call the bag, the bunker, the, the uh, whatever bag that thing is, survival kit, you know, and, and do this and get, get your food and, you know, go to uh, uh, Jim Baker out in Arkansas, where that guy's at, Oklahoma, Kansas, whatever, uh, Missouri, and buy your 50,000 pound bag of rice from him and whatever else. I'm, I'm not saying, that, and if you want to do that, knock yourself out. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying that's not the preparation I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you preparing your heart and mind to say, I don't care what happens in these last days. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And with that comes pressure. Can I say he had the pressure of knowing that Peter would deny him? Can you imagine? And by the way, this is ministry. Hey, that's a bad direction. Hey, you probably shouldn't go down that road. Hey, let's not do that. (laughs) Pastor, why didn't you tell me? The Lord tells Peter up front, hey, let's, let me tell you, the Satan desires to have you, to sift you as wheat. And in the same chapter, Peter's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got that, yeah, 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 yeah. In the same chapter, cock-a-doo-doo, and he's looking around going, I blew it. You did blow it. You know why? Because you weren't prepared, because you didn't know why you were here. And the moment came, and the pressure came, and you buckled. Christian, can I say this? God wants you to be prepared for that. There's a condition called hematidrosis. You say, what is it? It's a very rare medical condition, and doctors really still to this day don't completely understand it, where people, and Jesus isn't the only one to go through this. There are historians that are written about other people, and it's happened within the last century, that people that are under such severe trauma and distress and agony that literally blood, uh, the blood uh, vessels burst within their, their skin, and out of that sweat comes blood as well. And so as Jesus Christ is in that garden, we talk about blood, sweat, and tears. He's, he's crying those tears and praying for his disciples and, and asking God to remove the cup, but submitting to the Father's will. In all that, he, there's not just tears, but there's blood mingled with sweat dripping down on that ground. It is the greatest example of pressure I can point to in all of that book. And it's an amazing thing that as intense as that pressure was, He handled it flawlessly. You say, why? Because in his mind, there was no plan B. You know, he says in John 17, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. I want to just show you some verses. Look at John chapter 2. You know what commitment brings? Pressure. That's why, young ladies, when a guy wants to come in the back door, and message you on Instagram, he doesn't want to talk to dad, dump him. He's not committed. He's, amen. He's not committed. All right? You say, you say, why are you saying that? Because I got girls. I know what the guys do. Hey, I, it was really nice seeing you at summer camp. Hey, what are you doing today? Hey, hey, hey. How, how about you? You can talk to my dad now. That's what I tell my girls to write. You say, why? Because he doesn't want to come to the front door. And young ladies, let me say this. If you let him in the back door, that's your fault. 
all right? You say, what am I talking about? Listen, you've got an entire society that doesn't want to live by commitment. They want to live like they want to live and hope that everything turns out well. You can't have a, a prosperous life without commitment. Yeah, but there's pressure there. Which pressure do you want? Amen. The right kind or the wrong kind? John chapter 2, by the way, I'll say this, timetables bring pressure. You know, when you got to start church at a certain time, pressure. you got to be somewhere at a certain time, pressure. Uh, last week we were in Jacksonville, and Brother Joe was going to try to save me a seat. I saw, I don't know if you know that I caught you, but he's out there pacing, because I get there, we get there right, right, at, we're right at the time we're supposed to get there, which to me is on time, but everybody else, it's late. I'm driving in, and, and Joe is pacing the floor like this. <laughs> When's pastor going to come? When's pa- this is the difference between a white guy and a Puerto Rican, okay? <laughs> I'm like, we got plenty of time. <laughs> And he's, I can just see the great sweat drops of blood coming down Brother Joe's face, being worried about what time I'm going to get to sit down next to my future bride. I'm missing quality time with Tara for you. You better get here quick. He never said that, but he said it. Look at John chapter number two. John chapter two. Can I just show you a couple of things? We're going to take a real quick trip to John. John chapter two. Look at you at verse four. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Look at John chapter number 7. John chapter number 7. Verse number 30. Then they sought to take him. John 7, 30. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him. Why? Because his hour was not yet. It was pressure the entire ministry of Jesus Christ, evading certain opportunities. Why? He could have made himself a king. They wanted to make him a king at a certain point. That was appealing to his, to his flesh. It would have been a lot easier than having to go to a cross, and yet he didn't succumb to that. Why? The hour was not yet come. What was that? Pressure. But if he gave in to that, you and I would not be here right now. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and eventually this hour comes. John 12 Look, if you would, at verse number 23, John 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Look at verse 27, same chapter. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from what? His whole life's purpose. It was all wrapped up. And and it all culminated in this one hour. And that's what we're reading about in Luke 22. Him knowing that this is the end of the road. Let me say this. His death brought you life. And if you want to bring life to others, you're going to have to learn to die to yourself. And there'll be moments of your life where you want to go in a certain, and there's pressure from the world, and there's pressure from your flesh, and maybe pressure from the devil, and yet there's pressure from the Holy Spirit of God. Go in that direction instead. You'll like the outcome a whole lot more. Look at John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John 19. You know, I love this. <laughs> I, I love, I'm not picking on, on people in construction, but it, there's a lot of variables in construction work. There are. Not picking on. But you ask him, how long will this project take? Eh. You know, like, you know, four weeks to eight months. I don't know, somewhere in there. (laughs) Okay, I wish I could do that. We'll start at 11. Maybe we'll get out here by 4 o'clock. I don't know. (laughs) You know what Jesus did not say when he hung there, taking his last breath? 
He didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say I almost finished. He didn't say, uh, I'll wrap this up at another time. I am so glad. Look at verse 30 in that chapter. I'm so glad that when he hung there, he said, it is finished. There was all this pressure leading up to that moment on the cross. How was he able? He said, well, he's God. Yeah, but you're dismissing that he was man. Therein lies the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And he was in the flesh, which means he had a choice to be more, let's be honest, more like we are when we're under pressure. Listen, you know what some of you do when you're under pressure? Stuff comes out of your mouth that you wish you could take back. You know what some of you do when you're under pressure? Bitterness. Oh, yeah, well. You know what some of you do when you're under pressure? Blame game. Uh, uh, they're, they're at fault. Yeah, they're at fault and they're at fault. And the reason that I'm this way is because of them and because of the man and because of whoever else. Not because of anything, because of me. You see, what's that? Pressure. Pressure. I am so thankful for a Savior that says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I read that and I go, I don't know, Lord. I, I know what I was doing. And the Lord looks at him and goes, but you really don't. I'm thankful for a Savior like that. Not picking on anyone, but in Islam, you die for your God. This book, my God died for me. Paul says it like this. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, forgetting those things which are behind. This one thing I do in reaching forth one of those things which are before me. And he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ. You know what that means? As I'm moving toward this, there's pressure tightening in. You say, you know what a lot of Christians say? I want to follow Jesus. No, you don't. You think you do until the pressure comes. Yeah. You look at, at, at great men and great women of God throughout history, even right now, you go, oh, I wish I could be like them. No, you don't. Because you're not willing to take the pressure. And when God applies the pressure, you go, why me, God? And God's going, I thought you wanted to follow me. I thought you wanted to know what this was like. I thought you wanted to learn of me and my yoke and take it upon you for it's, it's easy and my burden is light. Listen, you're always going to carry a burden. There's always going to be pressure. But with God, it's lighter. You say, why? Because he's carrying it with you. Amen. Paul talks about being in journeys, often in perils of waters. Imagine... Let's say you had a resume, and, and, and you know what, the, the, the way that I think fundamentalism has handled this is, look at how big my church is, look at how many ministries I have, look at how many buses I have, look at how many this I have. And you, know what Jesus, you know what Paul says? Uh, I was uh, shipwrecked, I was beaten, I was, uh, I was left hungry, uh, in weariness and painfulness and watchings, often in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, uh, the things that are within, the care of the churches. You see, you know what Paul's saying? I wanted to follow you, Lord, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. You say, what is it? Pressure. Paul says in one place, pressed out of measure. I don't mean this to be funny, but I was talking with Leonard yesterday, and I said, hey, how's it going with Bible? How's Bible school going? Oh, man, it's kind of hard. <laughs> I said, well, tell me about it. He goes, I think you were there. I don't know. And, and, and 
I said, tell me about, I'm wishing him happy birthday and singing and all that. I said, tell me about Leonard. He goes, well, you got to work all day. <laughs> and then you got to go to school at night. <laughs> and you got to like put sermons together. I'm like, oh, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> it's good preparation for life. Yeah. If you're going to learn to minister to people. Right. See, I want to follow the Lord. Okay. I'm glad for that. But I want you to understand there's going to be pressure. It's the right kind, though. See, the Bible talks about God speaking about Israel, how Israel's kind of like this, this lump of clay on the potter's wheel. And that lump of clay is, is like an inanimate object. It has no light, it has no purpose. It's a lump of clay. And you pick that, that lump of clay and you throw it on the wheel. We've seen Brother David Angusath do this before. And you take that, pot, that pottery and you, that lump of clay and you throw it on the wheel. And there's no way to form it. There's no way to bring it purpose. There's no way to make it beautiful. Listen to me, without applying pressure. The generation of Christianity in which we live today is one that says, I want to follow God, but I want no pressure. I want the blessings, of, I want all the benefits of marriage without putting a ring on the finger. Are you with me? I want to come in and go out whenever I feel like it. It doesn't work that way. And if you want to follow Jesus Christ and you really want to make a difference in this world and you really want to be more like him, it's going to involve pressure. Adam and Eve experienced pressure. Abraham, here, honey, take my wife. Don't do it. Here, 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 honey, take my servant. That's a bad idea. Don't take Hagar. You say, what was that pressure? You know what Jacob does under pressure? He lies about who he is. You know what Saul does under pressure? He goes after an innocent man. You know, I think a lot of Christians have done I think a lot of Christians are like Esau today. Under pressure, I don't care. Just give me the food I want. He sells out his entire birthright. Sells out what God gave him. Why? Pressure. I got to be honest with you, this next guy, I feel for him. I do. Moses, under pressure. Must we fetch you water out of this rock, you rebels? Bam! And God's like, that's going to cost you. I read that story in my book, God. <laughs> the people made him do it. <laughs> I can relate to Moses. Lord, the people. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. They applied the pressure. He responded the wrong way. Can I remind you that Joshua had pressure when Moses was dead and no longer around to carry that torch? Jonah had pressure and he ran from God. Ananias and Sapphira? <laughs> Can you imagine lying about your offering and it killing you? <laughs> they were under pressure. Can I say this? Judas was under pressure as well. Don't you think there was a battle going on there? You know what I think the final straw was for Judas? You know what I think it was? I think it was when Mary brought that alabaster box of ointment and Judas was like, we could have sold it. We could have done this and this and this. And the Lord goes, don't listen to him. She had done a good work. She had done what she could. The Bible says after that, he went out. You say, what was that? <coughs> pressure. Let me just say this about pressure. Number one, it's a great revealer of things. Take a sponge, whatever's in it, you start squeezing it, and it's going to come out, whatever's in it. Pressure reveals your level of dedication. It reveals your motive. Imagine you have it, 
you know, you have church people over to your house and have fellowship. That's a good thing. Can you imagine having the Lord over to your house for a meal? You're putting certain, you know, hiding some of those apps on the TV screen. (laughs) 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 Oh, no, not me, preacher. You know, kids, listen, mommy uses this word sometimes, but don't use that word when (laughs) Jesus is here. Okay? Now, all right, listen, we're going to talk about some stuff. We're going to talk about Sunday school. We're going to talk about this and that. But I don't want you talking about the argument mommy and daddy had yesterday, okay? <laughs> Jesus doesn't need to know about that. I mean, there'd be a lot of uh, kind of, there'd be some pressure associated with that, would you not say? Uh, listen, the Bible says that Martha received Jesus in her house. You know what that means? She's the one arranging everything. Let me say it like this. If you're the one making the arrangements, you don't get mad at other people when they're not doing stuff that you committed to doing yourself. So, so Martha received Jesus in her house, and then when Jesus gets there, Mary's sitting down and listening to Jesus, and it's almost like you can just sense the jealousy. I, listen, I've got girls, I've got sisters, and they compete, and man, I can see it. I can just see Mary and Martha. I can see Martha going, are you kidding me? Here I am. I work in my tail off, running around, making the meal, cleaning the house. And the Lord is just so infatuated. Little Mary had a little lamb. There she is. And everyone loves Mary. You folks that live in the 70s, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. All right. Mary, Mary, Mary. All right. And Martha's like, what's the deal, Lord? And the Lord's like, oh, glad you brought that up. She's chosen a good thing and. And, and, and what she's chosen can't be taken from her. No, no, you say, why are you bringing this up? Martha was under pressure. You know what she did when she was under pressure? It revealed that she was looking at everyone around her as inferior to her because they weren't able to do what she could do. You, you say, what is it? Pressure reveals things about all of us. Can I say it reveals our desires? You know, Jesus Christ is in that garden and he's sweating great drops of blood. See, why does he do that? Why does he do that? Well, I think he does that because he's able to look down through the ages and he sees you and he sees me. This is the reason that Jesus Christ came. It was the fulfillment of his desire to live out the Father's will. This is why he says, not my will. Let me just say this. This is typically where most of us, when you're put under that kind of pressure, a lot of people, they snap. And then, here's where it gets worse. Let's be honest with ourselves. We do this. Not only do you snap, but then you justify what you're about to do by the pressure that you've just experienced. Well, the reason I did this, you know what pressure does? It reveals what you really want. You know what some people want? They want an excuse to do things that they know are harmful to them, that they know are against God, that to, to go in a certain direction. Well, but the reason I did that was because of the pressure. Hey, I got an example for you that shows you you don't have to do that. And you know what it really boils down to? What do you want? One of the hardest things to figure out in marriage is you ask your wife, what do you want to eat? Oh, anything. You know where I'm, anyone who's married knows where I'm going with this. Anything. Okay, well, let's go here. Oh, but that food is just so heavy. Okay, well, then let's go this place. Oh, that's not on my diet. 
Can we, can we go this place? Ah, we went, uh, last time we went, it was a bad experience. Would you like to pick? I just wish you knew me well enough to know what I wanted. <laughs> can I get a witness? Amen. Thank you. You know what pressure does, though? shows what you want. Not my will, but thine be done. You know, you, you learn whether you actually want that in moments of pressure. Can I say this secondly? Pressure is a great reminder. Look, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, pressure is a great reminder. See, what's it a reminder of? <laughs> you know what pressure is a great reminder of? The fact that the pressure itself is temporary. You know what I love about bad days? The same thing I hate about good days. They come to an end. Yeah. <laughs> like, the thing about bad days that, that I love is the thing I hate about good days. They, nothing is forever down here. Yeah. And so when you're going through pressure in your life and, and, and you want to go in a certain direction, can you just stop for a moment and remember that pressure is there sometimes to remind you we're not there yet. We haven't reached that golden shore. We haven't gone to the other side. There's going to be pressure because we are living in the land of temporary right now. Don't sell your birthright out for a stinking meal. You know what hunger is? It's something that comes and goes. You ever been hangry? Don't lie in church. And, and just like everything irritates you. You know, and your wife's like, how you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> My wife's literally told me, you just need to eat. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to eat. And she's here. You got nothing. Oh, hey, baby. <laughs> True story. Yes. Can I say this about hunger? It's short-lived. It's there and it's gone. But the stupid things you say when you're hungry can last a lifetime. <laughs> see, see, you have to learn to get hold of this. God allows pressure in your life to remind you this is the place for pressure. And it's short-lived. Your life is a blip on the radar. You will live, have a job, maybe retire, die, your house will go to someone else, and the world will forget you were ever here. And God cares about every detail and every moment of your life. And he brings you through these moments just to remind you at times hey, what you're going through is temporary. But what I can bring out of it can last forever. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look if you would at verse 17. For our, what kind of affliction? Light affliction. It doesn't feel that way though, does it? Sometimes it's like, man, this is going wrong and this is going wrong. I got pressure from this and the pressure from the boss and pressure from the spouse and bill pressure and financial pressure and, and spiritual pressure and emotional pressure and, and all that. And, and listen, Lord, uh, Paul, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says it is light affliction, which is but for a what? Moment. moment. Doesn't feel like it. Can I say this? And I mean this sincerely. Some moments could last years. It's still, listen to me, it's still just a moment in light of eternity. What, look at what it says, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Watch it. Light affliction. He's talking about weight. Right? I don't know if we do this in kilograms, Brother Steon. I don't know if we do this in pounds. I'm not sure, but I know this much. The affliction is light. The glory is heavy. Amen. See, there's weight up here. He goes, this is light, but boy, look at that. Look, look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are... See, 
You, you, here's what the Christian life's about. It's about, it's about a trade-off. It's about trading the temporary for the eternal. If you're lost and you come to a church service and the Holy Spirit's going, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. You're lost. There's something missing. You're without hope. You're without God. And there's something there. You know what you have to learn to do? Trade in your pride to admit that you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. Trade in that temporary moment of awkwardness when the preacher says, would you raise your hand if you're lost and you want to get saved? I don't want to raise my hand. The Holy Spirit goes, put it up there. Yeah, but I'll feel awkward. Yeah, but what if you can get saved out of all this? You see, you see, we understand that when it comes to salvation. And then we get saved and we go, well, it, was, it worked for there, but I don't know about anything else. It's supposed to work for every aspect of your life. Christian, can I say this? It's a trade-off. Notice what he says in verse number 18. We look not at things which are temporary, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? For the things which are not seen are what? Why does Judas betray the Lord? Listen to me. Here's why. In a nutshell. He gave into the temporary over the eternal. That's it. You say, why does, why does Peter do what he does? That moment of pressure in John chapter 18, where Peter whips out that sword, you say, what was that? It was a temporary moment. I love the fact that Luke says it was one of them. Mark says it was one of them. Matthew says it was one of them. John's like, it was Peter. <laughs> I love that. I mean, he records every, everywhere Peter messes up. John's like, can I write that one in there? <laughs> I mean, not, no, for real. Like, okay, I, I know I mentioned this recently. They both run to the grave, right? They both run to the grave. And so they both get there. And, but John gets there first. And John's like, Lord, can I please put it? Lord's like, fine, go ahead and put it in there. And, and, and he's like, Lord, do you, do you remember what, what happened? I got there first. And Peter's like, <laughs> and when he gets there, I'm like, all right, Pete, you go in first. Lord, can I put that in? Please, 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 please. And Lord's like, yeah, you can put that in there. And then, and then Peter over there in the garden whips out the sword and cuts off the guy's ear. And John's like, Lord, please. <laughs> it was Peter. <laughs> One of them, who is Peter, cut off this guy's ear. Why? The temporary. Why does he sit by a fire to warm himself when he denies the Lord? Temporary comfort over an eternal confession. You see, it's always about a trade-off. It's always about a trade-off. You need to remember this, Christian. It's not going to last forever. Pressure's temporary. Let me say this lastly. Pressure's a great rewarder. I read this recently, three grand essentials to happiness. Go to Hebrews 12 with me, if you would. Three grand essentials to happiness in this life are, number one, something to do. Live for Jesus, amen. Something to love, the person of Jesus, and something to hope for, Jesus is coming back, amen. Let me tell you, when you lose hope, you're, you're practically dead. Uh, over, go to Hebrews chapter 12, you turn there. Uh, you may have read the book or heard of the, the movie called Unbroken. Story about Louis Zamperini, the, 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 the marathon runner, that uh, sprinter, excuse me, that, that ran in the Olympics and eventually uh, was uh, called to serve in World War II. And, and him and his buddies, they get blown out of the sky and they end up on, on, on rafts out on the Pacific Ocean. 
and they got a few rafts, and eventually, so many days into I believe it's about 26 or so days into that 40-some day siege out on the waters, Japanese uh, planes come by, and they see those rafts, and they come down, they, they scrape, and they basically just start shooting those rafts up in hoping of shooting the men that are on there, and they come in and do that, and somehow, by the grace of God, they're not killed by that, but the ra- some of those rafts are destroyed. Eventually, they all three of those guys have to hunker into one raft, and they're patching that raft as best as they can, and there's a story about a guy named Mac. Six days after that first attack. You know what Max says when they, those Japanese come? You know what he says? He says, we're all going to die. You know what he did? He lost hope. He's the first one to die six days later. You know what I'm trying to tell you? When you don't have hope, they can kill you. Yeah. You have to look at what you're going through and understand there's something better beyond this. There's reward for all of this. This isn't for no reason. I'm not here without, I'm not just a random uh, 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 matter of, of amoebas and cells that was uh, thrown into this existence in this planet for no good reason. God put me here for a purpose and the pressure I'm experiencing as his child is for a purpose and that purpose is for his glory and I'll receive that glory when I get to the other side. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 12, look if you would at verse two, looking unto who you know those Greeks say at the feast in John 12 we would see Jesus I'm trying to tell you how to handle pressure how to perform in pressure you know what you you have to do look to him last week you were were told you were instructed to tell it to him you know what I'm telling you this, this week look at him Look at him. Think about what he went through for you. Look, think about that, that crown of thorns that's, that's uh, slammed down his head. Think about the blood that spilled down. Think about his, bra- his back being broken open for you. Think about that spear that went into his side. Think about all they consider that. And look at him. See, what's that? That's pressure. That's someone that performed under pressure perfectly. Why? He remembered not only why he was here to submit to the Father's will, he remembered the reward that was beyond that moment of pain. You know what the reward is? You getting saved, and you getting saved, and you getting saved, and you get. That was his reward. And you may look at it and go, we're not a whole lot. That's not a great trade. And the Lord looks at it and goes, no, it's everything I always wanted. Can I ask you, Christian, do you have your eyes on the reward or just the temporary pain? I think a lot of Christians quit before they ever get started because of this issue right here. The pressure comes and they cease from following Jesus Christ. The Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Listen to me. He did not enjoy the cross. He endured it because there was joy set where? Before him. He had his eyes on the reward the whole time. Where are your eyes today? You know, a lot of Christians are doing, they're looking around. What does that person say? What does that person do? You know, a lot of Christians are doing, they're looking down. Well, under the circumstances, I'm telling you, look up. Look at him. You know what you need to start doing? Quit seeing pressure as the enemy. Start seeing it as God's vehicle to making you what you're supposed to be. You realize when you came in this world, you're in Adam's image. And the moment you got saved, 
His goal is to conform you and shape you into His image. That takes pressure. You're not naturally there. You say, I want to be more like Him. Oh, to be like Thee, blessed Redeemer, pure as Thou art. You want to be like Him? Endure the pressure with joy. Listen to me. The reward set in front of you. You don't have to do this. Parents, you don't have to do this. This is just something we do. Recently started doing this penny thing. And uh, you get so many pennies for things that you do around the house, you have to do them right. And you get extra pennies when you go, Mom, do you need help with anything? I mean, I, I could be playing Nintendo or I could be outside playing, but what do you need help with right now, Mom? What do you, how can I help you? You gain these pennies. And boy, I'll tell you what, our kids are like, I can't wait to use those pennies. <laughs> you know what? I guarantee you, that young man does not wake up and go, yay, I get to clean up chicken poop today. <laughs> he doesn't care about the poop. He doesn't want that. But he knows he has to go through, listen to me, the poop <laughs> to get to the penny. Right. Everyone wants their penny. Nobody wants to go through the poop. Diamonds are a girl's best friend, right? I know a young man that's uh, getting ready to propose, and after Wednesday night's message, he goes, I'm getting a diamond, not a cubic zirconia, I promise. <laughs> diamond formation occurs when carbon deposits deep within the earth, approximately 90 to 125 miles below the surface, are subject to two things. High temperature and pressure. Problem is you want the diamond, but you don't want the pressure. Maybe if you saw the pressure as the vehicle to get the reward, you might handle it differently. I can tell you this, that's what Jesus did. Come with me to John chapter 20 if you would. John chapter 20. For those that were counting, that was point number three. It's our last point. And it's our last verse. John chapter 20. Look at verse number 11. Mary stood without <coughs> at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the sepulcher. You say, what is she? Well, she's distraught. Her heart is broken. The realization that the one that would bring the promise and the hope to all of mankind of eternal life was seemingly dead. Nobody could find his body now. The Bible says in verse 12, she seeth two angels in white, sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid him. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Now you gotta understand, we look at this and go, Oh, she's excited to be at the grave because it's empty. No, no, no. Her heart's broken because as of right now, all they know is the body's gone. They don't know about a risen Savior. You have the benefit of knowing that. She brings her story to these men. 
And the Bible says in verse 13, they sent her womb why we was thou she said, because they have taken away my Lord and are not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Now you might be, if in her shoes, you might be tempted to go, I just got done telling those guys, right? Why I'm upset. I really don't want to talk to some random stranger again about this. The Bible says in verse 15, She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. See, what do I read in these verses? I read about someone who is kind of frantically looking for her master, for her savior, for her Lord. I say it like this. She's kind of under pressure. Kind of like if someone did take his body, I've got so much time to find it. I got to find him. I got to find Jesus. I got to find Jesus. If you're going to be under any kind of pressure, that's a good kind of pressure to be under. I need to find him. I need to find him. I need to find him. Where is he? The Bible says, he says, Mary speaks her name. And she goes, Master. What are you getting at, preacher? If I can close with this thought, allow your pressure to take you to Jesus. Because the Bible says after this experience, she was filled with joy. We want the joy. The joy comes from finding Jesus. But there's pressure to get you to him. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this opportunity to open up your words. And God, I pray that the pressure in our minds would not be centered on lunch or on the schedule or anything else. Or that the pressure would be centered on finding you. And Lord, if there's any of your people here that are struggling with some areas in their lives and or they want to handle it the right way, would you, would you help them to get something that will carry them through the pressure that they're feeling? Lord, if there's one thing I've learned in the last few years of ministry is that not all stress and not all pressure, not all that is hard is bad. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that isn't saved, that they trade a moment of maybe what they feel is awkwardness for an eternal position with you in glory. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The old song says, For me it was in the garden he prayed, Not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs but sweat drops of blood for mine. When pity angels beheld him and came from the world of light to strengthen him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night, he took my sins and my sorrows and made them his very own. He bore the burden of Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see, t'will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. That's the reward, believer.
every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to take some time. There's no pressure. Take the time that you need at the altar. I'm going to ask this question with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask a question that does involve pressure. It's a a question of decision and choice. If you're here and you're saved and you know that you're bound forever, you know that God is your Father and that heaven is your home, would you just say, I'm one of them. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm going to lift my hand in testimony that I'm a believer. It's the majority of the hands here. That's great. Let me ask this question. If you're here and you could not raise your hand, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but I'm going to pressure you a little bit. And I'm going to ask this question. If you're here and you're not saved, would you be honest enough with God and with yourself to slip your hand up and go, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. I don't know that heaven is my home. I'm not sure where I'm going when I die. I'm not trying to talk anyone out of their salvation, but if that's you, the greatest thing you could do today is lift up that hand and do something about it. Anybody here like that? I won't point you out or drag you down to the altar. That's not how it works. But I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you'll preach, well, that's a lot of pressure. How about this? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you're lost, then you'll preach, I'm a little embarrassed to raise my hand. First off, you're among friends. I want you to know that. There's not a person here that will go, ah, there's a sinner. Guess what? We're all sinners. (laughs) Some are saved and some are lost, but we're all sinners. Maybe you'd be willing to lift up your head and just look at me. A little eye contact. I won't embarrass you, but I'll pray for you. Hear my God to thee. You want to get closer to him? first step is getting saved. There's pressure there. But boy, let me tell you what, there's a trade-off there, man. There's a, there's a, a trade-off between this temporary moment of, of this burden. And when I get saved, it's lifted off of my soul forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's so good to be saved. It's the best. It's the best life. That angel shows up to Peter in Acts 5 and says, speak of this life. You know what I want to do? I wanna sp- I, 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 believer, you ought to want to speak about being a Christian. It is the best life. So preacher, you just got done talking about pressure. Are you kidding me? You don't think lost people have pressure? They got the financial pressure and the emotional pressure and the family pressure and the social pressure and all the kinds of pressure that exists in this life, but they got no comforter. They got no outlet. They got no one to carry the burden with them. You know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? He's in the yoke with you. We're no longer an agricultural society. When I say yoke, I'm not talking about an egg yoke. I'm talking about two oxen plowing in the same direction. And the Lord says, hey, I've got this side. Come on, let's go. I'm telling you, it is the best life. When I consider all that God has done for me, yeah, you see, there's immense pressure, sure. Yeah. There's immense pressure in business. And it's short-lived, and there's nothing to show an eternity for it. 
There's immense pressure with family. Same goes, but man, let me tell you something. Pressure that comes from following Jesus Christ, that reward lasts forever. got something from the word of God this morning and thank you for coming thank you for honoring us with your presence and uh, if you can make it back if you're here Wednesday night seven o'clock we'll be learning about the sword of the spirit and talking about the whole armor of God again and uh, again don't forget next Sunday we have our missionary friends from Australia the young family uh, brother Jason and his wife looking forward to that Uh, as you uh, leave today Uh, Remember the message. Carry it with you this week. You might find, if you're anything like me, that when you hear a message or you prepare for a message, that you might be getting ready for something in your life. And it'd be something to just put in your back pocket and use when needed. Amen? Um, On your way out, don't forget to grab some of these and some uh, gospel tracts as well. And uh, invite someone to church. Invite them for Christmas candlelight service as well. And uh, let's go out there. Let's make a difference. You say there's going to be pressure. Yeah, there's pressure when you go out there. But man, if you're following Jesus, it'll be the right kind. So I, I, I pray that we see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Um, let's close with a word of prayer. And uh, don't forget, uh, for those uh, in new members class, uh, I think the food may have already arrived. Is Brother Craig here? It's already here? All right. So we'll give it five minutes for those in the new members class. Uh, within five minutes, we'll meet downstairs. If I am not there yet, Brother Sean, uh, can you deke it up for us, brother? The deacon can deke, man. I can tell you that. They say white man can't jump. He jumped yesterday. I'll tell you that. Uh, but uh, brother, brother, if if you would, uh, if you kind of handle, if I'm not there yet, brother Sean, uh, in the next five or so minutes, if I'm not there, if you can kind of get everything going, I'd, I'd really appreciate that. Um, let's close out in a word of prayer, and uh, really appreciate you all being here today. Uh, thank you for your presence, brother uh, Ben. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, pray for brother Ben as he's in Bible school right now, and putting messages together and studying the word. But then if you close this out in a word of prayer, sir.